and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. Do you want to be more fulfilled? Do you want to know how to achieve lasting, positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list. When you become a subscriber, we'll send you an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. It's our gift to you. To get you started on your journey or to help you leap to the next level of self-awareness and positive transformative change, simply enter your details at www.catherineplano.com forward slash newsletter. As a valued subscriber, you'll also receive access to exclusive content, members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP treatment and discount tickets to events. We offer bonus content too, more advanced tips and tricks only available to subscribers. So what are you waiting for? As you know, it's my passion and purpose to help others to understand their own uniqueness and to unshamedly rock it to live lives they love. Whatever you're seeking, whether it's more money, more meaningful relationships, a more rewarding career, or just more satisfaction, it's all possible once you learn how to tap into your greatest potential. And why not get on board with this transformational movement by recommending a friend? Some do prefer to journey solo. Others love to share the experience with a mate. It's entirely up to you. We look forward to welcoming you on board. All you have to do is enter your details at www.catherineplanner.com forward slash newsletter. As always, we have a super amazing guest for you, Alisa Romeo. Alisa is the author of Meet Your Soul, a powerful guide to connect with your most sacred self, published by Hay House in 2015. For the first 17 years of her life, Alisa never considered herself even remotely spiritual. Her previously analytical paradigm was turned upside down by miraculous medical healing through a powerful shamanic experience. 
Besides expanding her view of the world, she discovered that she could see and work directly with the human energy field. Several years later, Alisa had a second powerful awakening, one that can only be described as an out-of-body re-emergence of her soul. She uncovered an ability to communicate directly with the soul energy of others, including souls who have crossed over. Through her spiritual awakenings and her work as a therapist, Alisa has become fluent in soul. She knows that not only do we have all the purpose and that we hold within us the powerful divine potential that calls out for fulfillment. She believes that each of us have amazing psychic abilities, immense healing potential and spiritual gifts which many of us have long forgotten. Her mission is to help us remember to connect each of us to our unique soul voice and to reunite us with the loving source of our being. It's now time to tune into this one very powerful being. Enjoy. As always, we have an amazing inspirational woman for you this week. We have Alisa Romeo. Did I say it right? You did. <laughs> Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you. I was just thinking, should I have had my na- my mom rename me to something easier to pronounce? <laughs> oh, no, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's just about, you know, getting your tongue around it. It's not that hard, I really. I know. So- you know, most of the time when people say my name, I don't correct them because I don't really mind. But then afterwards, my husband's like, you should tell him how, how it's pronounced. And I'm like, I don't know if I care. But no, it's so true. It's true. And you, you want to be called by name, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, Elisa, what we do as we always start the show, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her story. So what's your unique story and how did you get to where you are today? You know, when I think about that question, like, how did I get here? I really feel like it was pre-planned in many ways in the sense of my whole life was about sensing into it and admitting um, to myself what was kind of already occurring through synchronicities and fate, um, as opposed to kind of a predetermined idea of uh, that I was making my future happen. So a lot of my story is about surrendering to the signs on the wall and um because my what I wanted to have happen is I was pre-law when I went to university um I don't know if you guys have the tv show Allie McBeal out there but in the states that was a popular tv show when I was in high school which is about this lawyer and I thought she was cool so I was just okay I guess I'm gonna be a lawyer (laughs) um I went to school um and studied that for a very short period of time before I quickly understood that um, it wasn't that interesting to me to study the history and rules of law. And I had always been interested in psychology and mysticism and self-help, spirituality. That's what all the books were on my bookshelf. And, And then it was through a series of spiritual events that happened to me that I started seeking for basically what is the truth of the universe and the truth in terms of, um, you could say my inner truth, but also just more than what I've been told is real, just based on physical reality or the, what we're 
taught as the five senses. Um, my dad was a biochemist and my mom was a mathematician. So I was raised in a very analytical, scientific household. Um, and then I think I was this little mystic that was having these really intense spiritual experiences since I was little, but learned to kind of push them away and not talk about them because I was just surrounded by a family that wasn't oriented that way. So the big, so I had several different things that happened to me that kind of were taps from the universe to kind of look in that direction. But the biggest one was when I started studying, I switched from law to psychology. I was really interested in Carl Jung and archetypes and dream work and somatic experiencing. And so I went on to work on suicide lines and um, and then start my grad school program at a Jungian psychology program in California. And it was there, I, I was meditating as well. So things just started picking up. But what I write about in my book, Meet Your Soul, and the big experience that really is the foundation for all of my work is when I was at grad school studying psychology, I had an out-of-body experience where my ego or consciousness I, my identity merged into my soul self. And from that experience, I got an understanding of who I was as a soul, not just as a human in this lifetime, Elisa Romeo, which is probably why I don't mind how my name is pronounced, because I'm actually more identified as my soul than just this physical incarnation as Elisa Romeo. And as much as my human self serves um, the soul purpose in this lifetime, uh, my soul's name is Sophia. And what I do is I teach people how to connect to their own souls. And to me, what your soul is, is the part of yourself, the universe of love that you came from, where, which is the source of all your intuition, that deep, you just know, and you don't know how you know, or um, those inner hunches. I'm a mother now, and there's so many times, you know, you'll just know something for your children that you don't necessarily have logical information for you'll just know your kid's sick in the middle of the night suddenly you know and then you'll go up and he will be or whatever those types of things where it's outside of our rational information but it's another form of knowing an intuitive feminine form of knowing so um so my book is meet your soul is all about how to help people connect to that part of themselves that is all loving and just has more information than we normally kind of run from just in our human selves. Mm, I love it. I've got a couple of questions for you. So one of them was surrendering signs on the wall. So how does one, well, first understand what are the signs and how do you surrender to the signs? Yeah, that's um, a good question. And I think everyone you know, I believe everyone is intuitive. People are intuitive in different ways, though. Some people are more feeling based through the second chakra, clairsentient, where you just feel things emotionally. Some people are more visual, so they'll get images of things that they're supposed to be doing, or like dreamlike images, sometimes through their dreams at night. Some people are more fish chakra, which is one way I help people train and, and build, which is hearing the voice of your soul. And I like using the fish chakra because there's no room for uh, misinterpretation. Sometimes when we're feeling the emotions of others through the second chakra or 
having um, visuals, they can still be misinterpreted. It's like a charades game still. Um, but the fifth chakra is very, very clear. So hearing the practical grounded steps from your soul. But um, one thing I tell people to do sometimes if you're trying to make a life decision, like what should I do for a career? And you want to make an intuitive decision and you're not sure you've already maybe done the rational decision of the pros and cons list of gathering information of how much the job pays and looking at the location. So you've done the, the analytical mind information, but you want to make a soul based decision. It's kind of, sometimes it's, how does it feel? If you are clairsentient, do you feel expanded? Does it give you life force energy when you think of that decision? Or does it feel like it drains you when you think of this job potential? Do you just feel like laying in bed and going to sleep? That's definitely sometimes a sign from your soul that there's something about that choice that is not aligned. Um, so I think it's learning to listen to the subtle body, your emotions, um, but also how to read and interpret synchronicities. Um, there's so many different ways our soul speaks to us. My husband gets a lot of like messages from music in the car, you know, where a song will, he's a musician, so he's very musically oriented, but where a song's just speaking to him and it'll feel like the so song is, louder and more directed at him. Um, the Greeks had a word for it, which was like an oracular way of knowing. They talked about a cladon, C-L-A-D-O-N, and that it's different than just a random song that comes to you. For example, it's you get chills, goosebumps. Some people call them God bumps, you know, like there's a feeling of sacredness that descends around you, a feeling sometimes of time slowing down. It's almost like the nature of time shifts from Kronos to Kairos, from just a linear type of experience to a more timeless um, eternity feel. That's one way that we know we're slipping into our divine selves or just physically going from a beta state in the brain to a theta state. And then through meditation and practice, there's things you can do to actually just train like your brain to go from beta to theta state so that instead of um, passively waiting for, you know, signs to come to you, you're co-creating and actively engaged with that part of your higher self to to basically help your higher self bring those messages through into the physical plane and in in this reality. That's amazing. So when you were talking about the fifth chakra and you mentioned that everyone has their own superpowers, I'd like to call them, where it's clairvoyant, clairsentient. What about if you're not auditory, if that's not a kind of a, a driver or a strength, how do you then work on uh, activating that fifth chakra so you're actually getting to hear those messages loud and clear? Yeah, and I think, you know, like – for, I'm not naturally clairvoyant, clairseeing. It's not my, you know, my my natural is more second and fifth, which is I'm very clairsentient. I'm an empath. Probably a lot of your listeners can relate to that. I think you are as well, where you mm. can feel the emotions of others through your second chakra as an empath. Sometimes, you know, people talk about that's a gift and a curse because it's a gift because it makes us um, empathetic, altruistic, big hearted, sensitive, caring. It can be a curse because it can also lead to anxiety, overwhelm, burnout, feeling like we're a sponge, taking on everybody's stuff, being the eternal counselor. You know, um, My first book, Authentic Intuition, was originally titled Energetic Codependency. So it was uh, really about how to protect and manage your energy when you're a sensitive uh, person like an empath. Um, 
and I personally had to learn how to do that so I could function well and serve in the world love instead of feeling overwhelmed by every everyone's energy all the time. But any of the chakras can be trained and open. So it's through imagination. I like to use like my free meditations on my website are visual guided meditations mm -hmm. to help activate bring bring someone from beta to theta state but also to open and develop the fifth chakra but what the strongest tool i think for developing fifth chakra clear audience um basically telepathy is to soul journal so i really really push journaling for people sometimes people say i don't like to journal i don't like to write sometimes they have baggage think they're not a good writer they were told by a teacher they're not a good writer and i try to like help them just let all that go and really open to use writing as a medium to increase your intuition because the reason i really like writing is it's a document so you're creating a record and you can really see yourself training and getting better over time and i think so much of intuition is giving ourselves permission to know what we already know deep down inside. And because we're complicated as humans where we have all these sub-personalities, the archetypes, right? Like the different uh, energetic complexes, maybe our internalized mother or father or society's views or our friends, all these different sub-characters that can kind of come over. Sometimes it can be confusing. Just do what you think is best, but it's like, which part of me, you know, thinks that's best. Maybe the safe part inside of me thinks I should do this one job, but the adventure warrior part of me thinks I should do this other job. So there's all these different ways of looking at things that makes it sometimes confusing. Mm. But soul is the part of you that is beyond all of that. It is you as a universe that came in with an intention and an attachment to what you were learning and doing in this lifetime. And if you can learn to increase the muscle to hear that part of yourself really strongly, then there's a feeling of, I'm truly living my life, my heroine's journey, my life lived on purpose. Like there's an authenticity that really starts to permeate throughout the body and also just um, pick up in the universe where it really then the universe is conspiring for your dreams to manifest. It's not just an ego sitting with a vision board manifesting what it wants. It's a ego surrendering and opening to a powerful force of love that wants to serve and like be the engine, you know, like of a car to your life to drive, um, that way of being of service in the universe forward. Uh, so to me, listening to your soul is the most powerful way to manifest your dreams as well, because it really is becoming conscious of who you were meant to be here. So the soul journaling is a practice of it's, it, it is kind of like ego death in a sense, because your ego isn't the boss anymore. Your ego is like, how can I serve you today, soul? How can I really begin to listen and serve love on this planet? And sometimes the information coming through isn't what the ego most wants to hear. And sometimes it puts us in a situation of that feels scary or uncomfortable, or I don't know if I'm ready to do that, or am I good enough to do that? And it's, then it changes because it's not about building self-esteem or building courage. It's about surrendering and being devoted to love. And it's, I find it to be just a really beautiful process of getting out of the way. And then it's less egoic pump up and more of being filled with the, the ocean of love that is available to us. And then letting those waves come through. So we're surfing life instead of forcing life. 
and making it happen. But it is a practice. And so it takes practice. You know, I think I've been soul journaling now for 22 years. I learn every single day uh, from my soul. So I'm still learning every day about how to become more of my sainted self, which is what your soul is. You're the part of you that is completely and perfect love. Mm. So I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are too, uh, from my understanding, the to, to I, I guess, discover our intention, our purpose, our why we are here is to communicate with our soul. And the best way is to open up that fifth chakra so that we can start hearing what our soul has to say to us. And then we can actually then collect that those messages through journaling. So talk us through what kind of questions uh, would you be – so let's say you're going to sit down right now, you're going to journal and you're going to invoke your soul or have that connection with your soul. What are the questions that you ask? Like how do you actually start the process? The first step is exactly what you said, which is you're invoking your soul because it's through the power of intention. It's like if you've ever done a shamanic journey – it's all about the power of intention is how what guides you if you're going to the lower world or the upper world, for example. So the intention is like our um, our remote control, basically, of where we want to go, you know, what station we're listening to. So first, you're setting the intention, I want to hear from my soul, as opposed to Archangel Michael or Mary Magdalene or Jesus, or, you know, you can talk to him later, but during soul journaling, it's about listening to who you are as love, because when you die and have your life review, it's not going to be from the perspective of Archangel Michael. It's going to be from the perspective of your soul. That's actually one thing that happened to be in my out-of-body experiences. I had a life review, which is like a movie of your life from the perspective of your soul. And it was shocking how much I thought I was doing things that was soulful, you know, spending $80,000 to go to grad program on soul with Carl Jung's psychology. And yet when I met my soul, she was like, you don't know me. You don't, you think you know what soul is, but you've never actually met me. You've never actually allowed the energy of me to permeate through your body. And you have a lot of fear and control that's making decisions that you think is spiritual, but it's actually not even connected to who I am. And that was shocking for me, you know, Um, and I think it really reoriented my understanding of so much of us in spiritual circles get caught in concepts of spirituality instead of actually a direct intimate experience and practice of that. Or even if we're practicing, sometimes it's still conceptual. Like I talk to a lot of people who maybe they're thinking they should do yoga every day and wake up at five and do Zen meditation for two hours and they think it's a spiritual thing and it's good for them, but their soul's like, I don't want you doing that. I want you naked, dancing to rock music, painting naked. You know, I had one client that her soul was like, she was a lawyer who was getting up at like four in the morning to do this strict Zen meditation and she thought she was doing something really good for her but her soul was like I'm a lot more feminine and fluid and like I hate this practice you know Mm. which was shocking to her ego she was you know her personality is really good at type a achieving masculine ideals and um so her soul wasn't you know but sometimes we can get trained and reinforced by family or society a certain part of our ego that might have nothing to do with the love intention our soul came in for for us to embody in this lifetime. So yeah, it's about, I think, and what I talk a lot about in my book is discerning between gremlins, which are fear-based 
voices, which sometimes can be really convincing that they can seem like they're from love, you know, like her, that's a good example, her example where she thought it was love to get up and do some self care, like meditation. So in theory, she would think that's love. But when it actually came to the energy of what was love for her body and her life, it wasn't that practice. So part of discernment is about the confrontation of directly meeting your soul instead of the projection of what you think your soul is. So it's taking off ideas of what you think your soul is and actually being open to be changed by what it actually is. Um, and soul journaling does that. And I think that's one reason also people sometimes resist soul journaling, just like sometimes people resist meditation or yoga because we can sense there might be a death coming through that practice, the death of the old control personality. So sometimes, and also sometimes there's other actual energies or entities that don't want someone getting connected to their soul because I see sometimes if somebody's in like a manipulative relationship, even if their partner is maybe saying they want what's best for them, their energetics might be, oh, why are you going to do that stupid soul work? You know, <laughs> whether they're literally saying it or not, because they can sense maybe the gig is up right? Like, like something, is it the gig is up or the jig is up? I don't know if you guys have that phrase. <laughs> no, the gig is up. Yes. The gig is up where it's like, um, I can tell if you actually connect to your inner knowing this relationship might not function anymore or, or this job or this dynamic with a parent or a child or whatever. So, um, I think a lot of what love is often trying to teach us is to expand beyond our limited interpretations of, uh, who we think we are to feel into what's available to open up a system, whether the system is a family system in a relationship or, um, or a group dynamic at a workplace. Uh, I, I think so it's so interesting to soul journal because, uh, so, so much of the information coming through is so practical and relevant and um, specific to our lives. So one pra when I start my soul journaling in the morning, one of the first pra things I'll ask her is, hi, Sophia, how am I doing today? Where am I connected to you? And where is my ego maybe disconnected running in the wrong direction? And then I'll let her speak to that. Like she'll say, well, you're doing really good over here, maybe on what you're working on with your book with Adam today, because my husband and I are writing a book about doing this in relationship. But um, but you do you have an idea of your son that's not accurate um, around his health, and I want you to do this over here. So, um, and I hear pretty specifically because I've been doing it for a long time now. So I ask you know general questions and get specifics, but. In the beginning, sometimes I'll tell people to just start. It's like building a relationship with your soul. So it might just be when you're opening your door to your closet in the morning. Hi, soul. What would you have me wear today? It's surprising how the soul is psychic and has access to the weather. So it can be really useful. She might tell you to bring an umbrella when you wouldn't have. And then it starts raining surprise at two o'clock, you know, um, or if you're driving in traffic, should I go right or left right now? Which is the best way to go? And just starting to instead of making rational choices, starting to open up to the idea there's a part of you that is beyond rationalism that might hold answers for you. And then starting to, sometimes it's trial and error. Sometimes we make the choice and, oh, now we're in traffic and we thought we were listening to our soul, but then learning to kind of start to feel into how to tell if it was your ego, a gremlin or soul information.
Mm. So I'm just trying to make sense of it. So do we start asking for a life review before we sit down and say, I want to hear from my soul? Is that the right way to do it? Well, the life review happened to be very, like I wasn't asking for it. It kind of came and overtook me. Um, And so I wouldn't say that I would try to get people to have a life review because I think that's really specific to if that soul wants them to experience that. But I do think the idea of it is good for everyone. I used to, when I was in therapy working in rehabs, I used to have a practice that was imagine your funeral, you know, Um, because I was working with addicts who could die, you know, we're using drugs that they could kill themselves. So it was kind of a way to really get like, what's the point of your life? What do you really want for your life? And if you imagine your funeral, what do you want people saying about you? How do you want to feel now that you're dead about how you lived your life? Are there, and, and that whole practice is pretty intense, but at the same time, it gives us courage to then make choices that are aligned with what we truly value. Because then it's, a lot of us are in denial, we're going to die at some point. And then when we get out of that denial, it makes us more courageous to choose life-based decisions, you know, instead of just safety-based decisions, but truly like decisions that are in alignment with life force. Okay. So the other thing that um, I'm getting as well is obviously communicating, like you were saying, building a relationship, asking questions. So when you sit down with your journal, it could be simple questions. You said, how am I doing today? But then you also said, where am I connected today? What does that mean? Where are you uh, connected? Connected to what? I guess what specific uh things in my life am I doing that day that are in alignment with her I mean where could also be you know it's funny when you said where I I meant where like what things in my life like what topics am I on track with and what topics am I not on track with but when we're talking about discernment where can also be really physically in the head because when you're connected to your soul you literally can feel it lighting up in your pineal gland which is in the hypothalamus right in the center of the head and most of us are predominantly in the analyzer mind which is between the temples and the front of the head mm-hmm. so that's one way also people start to sense when where their thought is coming from it sometimes i'll ask people in the beginning of a session where do you feel you are right now is consciousness located are you outside of your body when you're thinking are you in your stomach are you in your head I think a lot of us in Western society have this problem of a head-heart split where we're really just in the analytical mind in the front of their head, which is usually future thinking instead of the pineal gland, which is more present time energy. And then sometimes people are depressed when they're in the back of their head or located behind the body, the back body, where they're not centered, you know, energetically. So sometimes even just the energy work of moving your consciousness to the gold ball in the center of your head. I have a free meditation called centering where it's doing that move as a, as a guided visual practice visualization, you're moving your consciousness into like a tennis, um, a tennis ball shaped size object in the middle of your head. Then you start to really be in present time in the present moment, instead of planning the future, being anxious about the future, depressed about the past, you're literally energetically aligned with the rest of your chakras on the spine at the top of the spine so that you're in present time. And when we're in present time, that's a powerful place to manifest from. Mm. And that's also where we hear and receive the soul voice instead of in the front of the head, concepts of soul or ideas, religious programming about soul, but actually experiencing the soul in the present. 
Right, I got you now. So, and Lisa, the other thing that you also mentioned uh, was protection. So if you're a natural empath, you were saying that there's a way that one can protect themselves so they don't go through the overwhelm, the anxiety, all of that stuff because you're picking up on other people's stuff. So how does one do that? Yeah, I am so like in love with this question because I think there's a lot of confusing information for empaths out there and I think it can be really sad that there's these beautiful empaths that can really be hijacked from their purpose because of the overwhelm that comes from being an empath. So I think it's a lot of number one, psychoeducation that you are an empath. Cause number one, I talk to a lot of people who don't even know they're an empath, but their whole life is like a result of, um, yeah, trying to deal with that fact unconsciously. So one, it's learning about, you know, what it is to be an empath. So understanding that you can merge into other realities, lose your own soul reality frequently. Oftentimes we're more codependent where we're enabling other people or giving them what they want, people pleasing, the disease to please instead of, um, and then sometimes there's a feeling, I don't know what I want. I don't even know. How do I start to do that? I don't even know what that is because I'm so used to being trained externally towards other people's realities. I don't even know what I like. Um, I had a friend describe it to me as an empath of feeling like you're a watercolor and you're merging into other people's watercolors. There's no like black outline around your body. That's like containing you and your own reality. So sometimes it's the energy work of literally like that, like grounding cords. I have a grounding cord meditation that's useful. I have a power reset meditation that helps bring your own energy back in your physical body, move out other energies that aren't yours from your body. Um, and then like aura work, bright blue around the outside of the aura is really useful to kind of make that energetic boundary and that certainty so that you're able to feel strong in your own reality. And then there's just little tips and tricks. You know, every empath will probably have little things that work for them. I'm like a big salt bath person. I love water. Water helps me really feel myself and feel connected to me. And I put in six cups of Epsom salt. So I do a lot of salt in there because salt has magnesium, which is good for empaths. A lot of empaths are low in magnesium, but also just, um, the energetic clearing from from salt. Uh, a lot of other empaths will, you know, talk about certain stones they like to, um, like obsidian and stuff to help dilute uh, negative energies that are towards them. But I think the most powerful thing you can do as an empath too is connect with your soul because then it's less about. I always see it's like a there's like a what do you call it a on one end of the spectrum, there's energetic protection and that's needed because we're humans and we're not perfect and we're not going to be a hundred percent of our soul hundred percent of the time. But on the other end of the, the spectrum is as you do your soul work and bring the soul into the body and activate that frequency, you actually need the protection less and less in general because you're more filled by the high frequency of your highest self. And then that permeates and radiates out. So it acts as like a natural kind of protection, you could say. That's interesting because the reason I was asking that question is I've had, uh, we've had many uh, women on the show and they have their different views around it. So some, excuse me, pretty much what you're talking about, cutting the cords that bind so that you're disconnecting and especially if you say you're a facilitator and you've run a workshop and you're in front of you know a hundred odd people and they'd go home and talk about you because they had such a great time that 
is an etheric core that's still draining your energy and therefore as an empath you would still have the effects the after effects of say a workshop and so some people talk about uh, either protecting self prior to stepping into these kind of environments or cutting the cords after a session or like you said if you're connected to that high frequency you don't need to protect yourself because you are yeah, that highest vibration. It's not getting perfectionistic too, because it's like depends on the day or the mood. You know, sometimes maybe I'm running an intense retreat and workshop and I'm really channeling Sophia, but maybe it's like next week and I have my period and maybe I was up all night with my son in the emergency room and I'm a human. Maybe I'm now going to be more likely to get corded, right? So it's kind of having both tools where knowing how to cut a cord, how to move the energy, but also knowing that the end goal is to incarnate your soul, not to always have to be, um, you know, paranoid about cutting cords. But at the same time, I don't think it's a bad thing to know how to, um, to do some energetic hygiene. You know, I think, I think it's like no judgment if you're needing, if you're feeling vulnerable and like you are feeling drained, that's okay. You know, then it's okay to just start to have compassion to where you're at that day. And, um, and yeah, clear the energy. But I think on the spiritual path of ascension, there's always like different phases we're going through. So you might also go into a phase of like, I'm feeling more energetically vulnerable in this phase. And now I'm getting more strong in my soul. And then because it's like, um, it's not a linear process, it's like another round on the spiral. Suddenly it feels like regression. Oh my God, I'm so much more um, sensitive again. I don't, maybe I'm overwhelmed going to the grocery store. Or maybe I and picking up everyone's energy because it's a new part of the spiral. And so it's just having, I think, compassion as you're integrating, if it's going to a time of more hypersensitivity as it integrates again. Mm, I love it. So from my understanding, to meet your soul, you don't actually have to sit there and do a meditation. It could be, you could be painting, you could be dancing, it could be whatever your soul is aligned to. Yeah, I think it starts with the intention to meet your soul, to feel her. So if you're doing a yoga class, you can dedicate the yoga class to feeling her and then bringing her more in your seventh chakra and feeling her move your body instead of you're moving your arm. What's it feel like to be moved? You know, when people talk about you go from dancing to being danced, that feeling of aligning with a higher part of your energy, your greater part of your energy. I think, you know, athletes, um, musicians, artists do this all the time naturally. But my goal is also for people to consciously be um, engaged with the soul, not just unconsciously channeling it. So that again is why I wrote me your soul so that people can, um, besides flying up and crashing down into beta theta, be more conscious about where she is all the time and and helping her integrate through shadow stuff even places where we wouldn't normally have her or invite her you know bring her to our wounds to help heal us everywhere mm. so you're saying avoid uh by working with us on a daily basis will avoid your soul uh i guess you know uh hanging out in the shadow aspect yeah i mean i think it's easy to um sometimes it's easy to you know feel soul if you're painting <laughs> but can you feel soul and the when you're standing in a car crash next to your 
friend, right? You know, so the soul work builds the muscle so that it's not just that we're feeling soul at yoga class. We're feeling soul. um, It's like a prayer that we're feeling her in all places, in those shadowy places of life, in those harder places. So that, and we built the muscle so that when we are more triggered or activated in trauma, we can find her Mm. instead of just when we feel, you know, peaceful or things are going well. Okay. So the last question I have for you, you were talking about our brain is is moving from beta to theta to be able to connect with our soul. Uh, Is there anything that you do to use uh, or to get to theta? Because I know there's a thing called binaural beats where you can actually uh, listen to binaural beats and get your brain into a theta state very quickly. Is that something that you do? I don't so much use them now, but I think they're great, especially in the beginning when you're kind of training. Now I've done it for so long, I just can flip a switch. I can fly back and forth really easily. That's what I do in my sessions. Um, But uh, one good guided meditation I like sometimes is imagining a big bird, like you can do a hawk or an eagle, come swooping you up from behind and taking you way, way, way up high in the sky. And then as you're doing that, you can start to even literally feel your brain state changing. And then from up high beyond the clouds, you look down at your physical body and then you kind of are setting the intention because that's the important part, right? To see from your soul, what do you see going on with this woman down there? What do you Mm -hmm. see in her life? How's, How's she feeling? What's going on in her life? And you're looking at yourself, but from a different vantage point. Right. From a, diff- a different part of yourself. And then you ask the questions about your life from way up high. And that's one way to kind of raise the vibration of be- instead of being, you know, I think it was Einstein that said the number one mistakes humans make are trying to solve a problem from the energy level in which it's created. Mm. And that's so much of what we're doing. We're in beta state. I have this problem. What should I do? Let me ask my friends. What do they think? What does my therapist think? What is this? What do I think? It's all beta state. But then if we can actually raise the vibration and now look down on the, the it sometimes very obvious. Oh, it's obvious what she sh- should do, but she's just terrified to hear this information because when she gets this piece of information, it'll mean a change that she may feel she is or isn't ready for. I mean, there's so much of the time I used to think psychicness was about, you know, like what kind of practices can I give people to get more psychic and to raise the vibe higher, higher, higher. And then I realized looking at people energetically, like so often they knew what it was. They could feel in their gut what their soul was asking of them, but there was fear of just like, I'm scared to do that. So I realized on my business cards, I have a phrase that's intuition is having the courage to allow yourself to know what you already know. Mm, I I love that. So much of intuition, it's not rocket science. It's really just finding the place where we feel safe enough Mm. to let ourselves know what that still small voice has been whispering for often a very long time. Love it. So, Alisa, what we do as we start to wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? I think soul. I think so too. <laughs> I'm going <with> soul. <laughs> it was very obvious. I was thinking it's got to be soul. Uh, and the other thing we do is we love to ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners today? 
when I tap into this audience right now and I feel psychically the group that's listening, I would like to say, one, radically trust your life. And that means trust the shit storms too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All the hard, horrible things that might have felt just pointless. Trust that there was orchestration in that so that you can actually have the courage and clarity to be who you've come here to be and to know what you're meant to know. And sometimes we can get stuck in that or the trauma can feel so strong that we can get confused with that. But if you can raise your brain state and really, it's almost like asking love. If everything was for a reason, what possible reason could this have been happening for? You'll start to feel an answer to that. That is whispering the greatest empowerment that you can imagine in your life. Mm. I think that just feels really strong for this audience. And I think to trust you're supposed to be here right now hearing this and that you are ready to do this work. You don't have to be, some people are like, am I going to be good enough or special enough? And it's really like anyone can really do this. It's just a matter of kind of practicing, you know, um, and setting the intention you want to know your soul. And I think three, like laugh, don't take it too seriously. Like I always say, like life is too serious to be taken so seriously. You know, it's like, it's really sacred this work and it's good to just have a sense of humor and, um, go easy with yourself and compassionate every day as a human. Oh, very inspirational. Alisa, I love uh, your conversation, love your energy. How uh, or where, I should say, is the best place for our listeners to find you? I think my website is the home to all of, of my work. It's just my name.com, Alisa, E-L-I-S-A, Romeo, spelled like Romeo, R-O-M-E-O.com. And on there, um, my husband and I are writing a book right now that's about meet your soul for relationships. So I was saying earlier before we started the interview, I'm not sure when, when it'll be done, but if you're interested in that too, sign up for the newsletter. When you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free ebook on how just really easy practices to start to connect to your soul. And I try to put out a lot of content, YouTube videos, free meditations on my website um, that just help inspire people and help them, yeah, baby step towards their soul so that everyone has the tools to oh, do it. Love it. So I highly recommend uh, for our listeners to check out uh, her website. It's absolutely beautiful. And we'll have all the links in the show notes. Elisa, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your wisdom, your love, and uh, taking us through a soul journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great being here. Thank you so very much. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, 
please take care of yourself.